Hello, this is Jessica Lynn Jimeno, and you are listening to Flip Switch, the podcast and blog that helps teens and 20-somethings understand depression and bipolar disorder. Welcome to part six of the Impact series, which celebrates young people across the country who are making a difference in the world of mental health. From the East Coast to the West Coast and the Midwest, I am meeting students who come from different organizations, Active Minds, Let's, and Erica's Lighthouse, who have the same passion, erasing stigma. These students make it easier for people with mental illnesses to seek help, get a diagnosis, and find friends. Today we're going to hear from a teenager named Sarah. Sarah has bipolar disorder, and she is the president of the largest Let's Club in the U.S. Let's stands for Let's Erase the Stigma. This is the first half of my interview with Sarah. She will discuss the first of two hospitalizations. My name is Sarah. I am 16 years old. I am in 11th grade. When did you first start to feel different? It was in sixth grade. My teachers called for a meeting to talk with my parents about a lot of my attention-seeking actions that I was getting involved in and that it was just off the charts of my behavior. And then my parents decided for me to see a therapist at that time. And the therapist came out with the diagnosis that it was just a normal teenage thing. I didn't need any medication and that it was just going through puberty and it was natural. What do you mean by attention-seeking things? They were just different. I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder later on, but they were more up and down and more of a little bit different than the other kids, and it came across as attention-seeking, and that's what the teachers called it. What happened when you entered seventh grade or middle school? Things turned bad to worse. I started to engage in extreme mood swings, which caused friendship loss, poor grades, more attention-seeking actions, and suicidal thoughts. My parents always said I was less predictable than the stock market, which means I would go to school completely happy and very high, and then I would come home and I'd be completely low. And I was very frustrated. So then I ended up engaging activities like cutting myself because it was a way of taking my frustration out. I ended up engaging in cutting myself many times, and then I wrote a letter to my best friend explaining my intention of killing myself that night. So what did your friend do in response to the letter you wrote explaining your intention of killing yourself? She took the letter to the administration, and the administration put me on something called a 5150, which is when you're in harm of yourself or in others. And they called my parents in, and I was completely humiliated because all the kids at school found out about it. It became very public, the situation, and the kids at school were not understanding. And they were very mean about it. They said I was basically, I was doing it for attention, that it was just completely over the top, and that it wasn't normal. And they were very mean about it. It was very cruel, some of the comments that I got back. There was very little understanding. What did the doctors say of your condition at the hospital? And they came back that exact same night and came out with the diagnosis that I had bipolar type 1 
and ADHD. Looking back, are you thankful that your best friend reported you? Yes, I am very thankful that my best friend reported me to the administration because if they didn't report me to the administration, then I would have never gone to the hospital and got the help that I needed. And I would have never been put on 5150, and my parents would never have the idea to take me to the hospital in the first place. I would have never gotten a diagnosis, which means I would never have been medicated and started an actual treatment process. It probably took a lot of courage for your friend to say something. She was probably worried that you'd never speak to her again. I think it did take a lot of courage, but I think she was very scared for me. Because she was my best friend, she had seen firsthand the mood swings I was in and some of the things I was saying to her about how I was feeling. What kinds of people did you meet at the hospital? The evening I was admitted, it was probably one of the worst nights of my life. But I met some very wonderful people. And there was a boy there with schizophrenia who wrote this incredible poetry. And it was so inspiring what he had been through. And I think that really opened me up to how beautiful and some talents that people have with a mental illness. And there was also my roommate who saw how much in pain I was that night I was admitted. And she gave me a charm that said, remember everything you have. And she had barely anything. She didn't have any luggage or anything with her. And I think that meant a lot to me because she had been through a lot. She tried hanging herself. And to have that type of kindness to a total stranger is something that means a lot to me. And I still wear that charm every day now since then. What did it say again? It said remember. And she said it was to remember all the good things that you have in life and to remember that you can get through this no matter what, and that it's not perfect till the end. What did you learn from your stay at the hospital? Well, the experience not opened me up to the horrors of a mental illness, but having the openness and a stigma-free environment was the best sort of treatment. It was, when you went there, there was no judgment, so it was easier to actually receive treatment because you were able to talk about your problems openly. But this event really pushed me to start what occurred at the beginning of eighth grade. To conclude, there are two things we can learn from this podcast. Number one, if a teenager talks about depression or has mood swings, Don't dismiss these things as mere teenage angst. Take the symptoms seriously, as you would symptoms of a physical illness. Second, if a friend is in suicidal trouble, it is best to put his or her safety first before your own fear of rejection. This is what Sarah's friend bravely did. Without her courage, Sarah would not be here today. Today we heard about Sarah's first hospitalization, which got her a diagnosis. In the next podcast, we will hear her describe the second hospitalization, which led Sarah to start the largest Let's Club in the U.S. To learn more about this great organization, visit www.lets.org. Don't miss the rest of the Impact series. Follow me on Twitter. My handle is is at Flipswitch Teens. You can always hear other Flipswitch podcasts and read my blogs at www.thebalancedmind.org forward slash Flipswitch. 
forward slash podcast. Leave a comment. Be heard. Until we meet again, this is Jessica Lynn Jimeno signing off and saying thank you for listening to Flip Switch.